Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. Have you ever uh, noticed that um, you ever see a, a, a band that gets labeled a breakout band, or they had a, a great hit, and they're like, man, this band came out of nowhere. And then you go and you're like, yeah, I'd never heard of them before. And then all of a sudden they had this great hit. Wow, they're, they're great. This came out of nowhere. And then almost inevitably, have you ever watched the behind the scenes videos of these bands? They go in and they start talking and they say, hey, tell us about that, that breakout year. I mean, you guys went from nothing to everything. And inevitably, every single band, they look at the camera and they're like, we didn't come from nowhere. We didn't just appear. We've been playing shows where nobody showed up. We've been lugging equipment in trucks. We've been paying our dues for years. Nobody cared about us. And all of a sudden, we had this song, or we had that thing happen, and, and we got on that show, and then now you guys say that we're the new breakout band of the year. And they're like, there's nothing new about this. We've been here a long time. Sometimes I, I feel that way about the Christmas story. Sometimes I feel that same way. When I, when, I, when I see what we focus on, when I see what the world focuses on, and what I see what even inside the church, we, we, we start and we just go, man, what is the Christmas story? Well, the Christmas story is that Jesus was born. And yeah, that, that's absolutely true. In, in that chapter, at that time, the biggest event, the culminating event, is the birth of Christ. That is correct. That is the, the Christmas story. But similar to a band that's been playing a while, there's the backstory. There's the before the event event. And so today, for us to gain all the majesty and glory and the power that comes from that moment, that seminal moment where, where the, the, the star is there and the magi and all this stuff and, and all the animals around and Joseph and Mary and all the noise and, 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 and the chorus of angels, before we get to all that, we have to understand First, or we have to understand John chapter 1. And so today what I want to do is to be able to say, how, how do we have a Merry Christmas? One of the ways that we have a Merry Christmas is to understand Christmas in its full context. And so we find that in John chapter 1. So let's read together the first 18 verses there in John chapter 1. And that really is the story. If this was a behind the scenes, it would be like, wow, there's this big culminating event. And then God would be like, um, yeah, but there's a whole chapter you probably should read. It's really cool. It gives a backstory. It says this, in the beginning was the Christmas tree. <laughs> in the beginning was the magi, right? In the beginning was the star. What does it say? In the beginning was the, the Word. And the Word was what? With God, and the Word was God. Pretty powerful stuff. In the beginning, it wasn't the camels and the, the cows, and the, it wasn't the side of a cave that he's found shelter in, the no room in the inn. In the beginning, it wasn't all of that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things, everybody say all things. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made. I love this. That was made. 
that not an unnecessary reference, but I just thought it was funny. Uh, anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Somebody needs that this morning. The darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light. Everybody say true light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet. Everybody say yet. We're going to get to that in a minute. Yet the world did not know him. He came into his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see this prologue? All before we get there, all before the party, all before the noise, all before Mary and Joseph, all before Joseph deciding whether or not he's going to separate and leave Mary alone, all before all of this stuff. The prologue. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because He was before me. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. He has made Him known. See, in the beginning wasn't Christmas Day. In the beginning was Christ, but Christ didn't begin on Christmas Day. This whole passage is the prologue to Christmas, and it helps us to understand what Christmas is really about, that seminal moment that we all celebrate, and we should celebrate. But we've got to understand some things about this baby being born that help us to understand why we should celebrate the fact that this baby was born at all. I want to show you four verses. Those first four verses are backed up by the rest of the passage, the other 14. And I want us to look at those first four and, and download some data, download some information about what this means about Christmas so that when we approach Christmas, as we begin to approach Christmas, we can celebrate with the enthusiasm it deserves. In the beginning was the Word, verse 1 says, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. If you're jotting notes, you write this down today. The Word who became flesh has a name. 
Jesus Christ. The Word who became flesh has a name, Jesus Christ. Matthew Henry says, The plainest reason why the Son of God is called the Word seems to be that as our words explain our minds to others, so was the Son of God sent in order to reveal the Father's mind to the world. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Jesus was sent to reveal God's mind to the world, the Father's mind to the world. What we see in Jesus, we see in the Father. They are one. What that means is that Jesus is the invisible made visible. When we see the birth of Christ, we're seeing the entry of God into, into human flesh. We're seeing God just separate the distance, the gap that's between heaven and earth, and just stepping into it in form of an earth suit called Jesus. And when he puts on this earth suit called Jesus, he's the living embodiment of God among us. And so everything that we, we want to think about, how does, the, how does the mind of God work? How does God feel? How does the Father think? This was huge because up until this point, there was no picture, there was no claim that, that there was a, a clear picture of God on earth. This was God breaking that barrier and coming into earth as Christ. John 14 to 18 gives some more explanation. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Do you ever have somebody uh, that you invite in your home? And there are different types of people that come in your home, right? Like it, it's the, the person that's wearing a vest and they've got a fake, uh, they've, they've got a fake script and they just come to your home because they want to sell you something or they want you to buy something out of a box and so they'll knock on your door. There are those people. And there's people that are like, they're maybe your neighbor, maybe you know them a little bit, but the way they come in their home, they're basically allowed to that front entrance area. And you kind of have this mutual agreement, like you don't come any further and I won't invite you, right? It's just kind of like, like those folks. But then you have people that you welcome, right? And they dwell in your home. They're, they're, they're free to take off their shoes. They're free to kick up their feet. They're free to change the TV channel so long as you're not watching it. They dwell. And you welcome them to dwell. They take up space with you. They, they co-occupy the environment. Can you think about that? Your God. Your God came to dwell with you. Your God came to take up space with His kids. To, to, to not come in. And Christ did not come in and domineer every room or domineer every environment. But he came to be, and he came to be with. And so oftentimes, we, we forget this dwelling aspect of who Christ is and who we should be. But the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This is the one whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from the fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came from Jesus. No one has ever seen God. The only God is at the Father's side. He was made Him known. You see, church, Jesus is glory, grace, 
and truth made visible. His glory made visible. When we, when we, you want to know, you want to get a hold of God's glory, you want to understand Him, understand Jesus. You want to know what grace is like? Look at how Jesus treated people. You'll, you'll pick up grace. You'll say, wow, I couldn't do that. I, I, I couldn't turn the other cheek. I couldn't allow somebody to falsely accuse me. I, I couldn't put up with people the way that Jesus did. Talk about truth. Jesus was, was an honest broker. He didn't have a problem just saying what had to be said. Whether it was to the religious elites of the day who, who were out to use their religiosity to hurt people, he confronted them. To the one who was in sin, he said, go and sin no more. He didn't say it's okay to keep sinning because I'm God and I love you. No, he said, go and don't do that anymore. An honest broker of truth. But it's the way with which Jesus approached the world that we can look and just say, wow, this is what majesty looks like. This is what the glory of God looks like. This is what the example is. And that's who was born on Christmas morning. The invisible glory and grace and truth of God made visible. You want to see God's glory? Look at Jesus. You want to see God's grace? Look at Jesus. You want to see what truth in action looks like? Watch Jesus. And it goes on, it says in verse 2, He was in the beginning with God. The Word who became flesh was God Himself. Not only was Jesus with God, Jesus was God. John Piper says, what verse 1 teaches us is the one that we know as Jesus Christ before He was made flesh was God. And that the Father was also God. There are two persons, but one God. This is the part of the truth which we know is the Trinity. This is why we worship Christ and say, with, along with Thomas in John 20, 28, my Lord and my God. We celebrate God coming to earth as Emmanuel, God with us. It's why we worship and adore Jesus. He wasn't just God's representative. There are lots of, uh, kings can send representatives. The United States, we send ambassadors all over the world. And they are not our leader, but they represent our leader. You see, if you view Jesus as simply, oh, well, he came to represent God, then you're missing the point. No, no, no. This was God himself in the flesh. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's God's representative. Three persons, one God all together. So this was God's representative. This was not God's representative. This was God himself as his own representative to all of us. And so when we celebrate the birth of Christ, we're celebrating the birth of God into this world. And we say, wow, what had to happen? God had to so humble himself and break himself down. Can you imagine being above every single thing you created? And then you look at the things that you created, and they're all whacked out. They're all messing up. And they're outright rebuking you and turning away from you and defiling you. And to think of, as God, if I was God, it's a good thing I'm not God. Lots of good reasons for that. But one of them is that if I was looking at my creation, who I had laid out and I had invented and come up with and created and gave them free will, the ability to think and move and have their being, and then I looked at them and they were rejecting me, I'd have wiped them all out. You're like, well, God kind of did that with the flood. No, 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 no. He, must, he, he left a few. 
I'd have just started over. <laughs> but see, there's so many good reasons why I'm not God. But when you look and you say, well, this is God. What was he thinking? He's thinking redemption. He's thinking love. He's thinking that you don't have to have it all together before he'll pursue you. So many of us live locked and paralyzed in these religious views of ourselves and we don't fully understand it all, but we just feel like, man, I'm just not good enough for God. I want you to understand, when we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating the fact that we're not good enough for God. But we're celebrating the fact that we have a God who is so good and so righteous and so full of truth and so full of grace and so full of love and so full of mercy that He decided, I'm going to cut through all that clutter and I'm going to chase that soul down and I'm going to captivate. that heart till they're mine. And that, my friends, is the prologue to Christmas. That's the motive behind Christmas. It's not just, oh, wow, there's the baby here. What do we do? Let's celebrate. No, it's that there's all before this is a God who so desperately loved his children. That even while his children were yet sinners, the Bible says that Christ come to die for his children. To take on the penalty, to take on the burden, to take on the payment, the propitiation for our sin. That's the prologue to Christmas. And so when we look at this baby, we're not just looking at a baby. We're looking at God who has come to rescue us. Jesus' glory, grace, and truth is made visible. The word that became flesh was God himself. Christ came to show the Father's will, the way, and his worthiness to save. Christ came to show the Father's will. The Father's will were that none shall perish. The Father's will is that every single one of us would acknowledge Him. Every single one of us would see Him. Every single one of us would realize His love. Every single one of us would realize that in, in spite of our inadequacy, He is adequate. In spite of our sin and shame and brokenness, He is pure. He is holy. He is good. That's the Father's will. The Father's will is that none of us would ever deny His love. That's God's will for you. But He also prepared a way Jesus came to not only display, hey, the will of God. He could have come and just said, hey, all of you guys, get it together. Get back into your temples and do the temple thing. No, but he came and he gave a new way. He said, look, you guys in and of yourselves have proven that you're not going to be able to do it. You're going to keep falling short. You're going to keep falling flat on your face. And what you need to do is you need to enter this new way through me, through Christ. And so Christ voluntarily got up on a cross. He died an executioner's death. And the Bible says that three days later, he rose again. And so the, the will of God was put on display through Christ. The way of God was put on display through Christ. And for each one of us, the worthiness, the worthiness of Jesus was put on display 
through Christmas. Jesus is worthy. All things were made, verse 3 says, all things were made through him, and without him not anything was made that was made. If it's here, God made it. The word that became flesh created everything. So what you had at the birth of Christ was the creator of all things was coming into his creation, stepping into his masterpiece. You ever imagine Bob Ross? You ever imagine Bob Ross just, there's a little happy tree. Oh, oh, there's a cloud over there. Imagine Bob Ross painting this most beautiful scene that started off and you were just like, bro, I don't know how you're going to pull this out. I really feel like you messed that one up. I don't think the tree should be on that side. (laughs) Right? You ever do that? You correct Bob Ross while he's painting. But it's, it's as if the artist put it all together, made it beautiful. Step back. Then somebody came and they threw paint all over the picture. But the artist still saw something beautiful enough in it to step into the work and begin cleaning it up. You see, what you and I do, because we have this whole thing called flesh, sin, Shame, guilt. What you and I do is we have this imaginary life that we feel like got ruined. We had our chance. But man, we, we spilled paint all over it. There was a day I could have made something of myself. There was a day I could have had it all together. There was a day I could have honored God. Christmas is when Bob Ross steps into the painting. Christmas is when God steps into your life and says, you know what, Tali, I'm not done with you. You say, but yeah, do you see what I did with what you created me to be? Yeah, I know. But I love you. And what I'm going to do, Tali, is I'm going to step into your world through the power of the Spirit. And I'm going to work with you and we're going to clean things up. You mean you're not going to come in to condemn me? And spend all your time telling me how I'm not good enough? Like, that's what I would do, God. I would, somebody messes up on the job, I'm going to come by and make sure they know. They need to know they messed up. They need to know they should have had it together. That's my job. No, Tali. Did you not read John 3.16? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And did you read the verse beyond that, Tali? Tali, the one behind that, Tells, tells you what my will is. The one behind that says, for Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but rather to save the world through himself. That when Bob Ross steps into his painting, he's not interested to talk about the dirt anymore. He's there to clean it up. Because the condemnation was already there. He messed it up. When Christ came into the world, he came into the world to redeem to restore, to make new, to make right. And so when we celebrate this baby at Christmas, we're not just celebrating a birthday. We're celebrating a God who came close to make things better.
to make things right. But look at what it says here. It says, all things were made through him without him. Not anything was made that was made. The word became flesh, created everything. But then look down in verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet. Everybody say, yet. Yes. Yet. Even though the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came into his own, and his own people did not receive him. <laughs> You ever have these yet moments with God? God created you. He loves you. Everything you know about the Bible. This is why people can just go to church and kind of zone out and just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know he loved me. I know Jesus cares. I know he forgives. And we just take for granted the glory that is found in a God that wants to come close to us. And that's where we come up with our yet in spite of all of this, yet. You ever have those moments? I have them all the time with my kids. And I remind them. I'll be like, hey, the trash needs taken out. Really? Really? This is what's happening? Like, I feel like we just kind of got home from the store. I feel like I just bought you a ton of stuff. And yet, hey, get those, need those dishes to get done. Really? You have a roof over your head? Like you ever do that as a parent? You just walk through everything you've ever done. You just like drag it all out. You had cereal this morning. <laughs> when the fridge gets low, you start stretching out words. <laughs> There's ham. <laughs> Nothing matches, by the way. You're just like, There's green beans. <laughs> but look, he created you and yet you do not trust him? He created you, and yet you don't seek his counsel? He created you, and yet you worry? He created you, and yet you don't spend time with him? Yet, yet, yet. Even though God has done all of this good, and God has given you all this grace, and God has poured himself out, and God has come close at Christmas, he's Emmanuel, God with us, he dwells with you, even though... All of that is true, yet we don't receive Him. We were made by Him. And we're only saved through Him. It goes on to explain, but all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the what? Let's say it again. He gave the, the right. To become the children of God. Who were born. How did we become the children of God? Who were born not of blood. It's not inherited. You don't, it's not a caste system. Not of blood nor of the will of the flesh. 
Meaning you and I in and of ourselves, we don't have that right just because we say we do. It's not your will. Nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, He created everything. He comes into everything. He invites everything to return to Him. Everyone to return to Him. And yet, we still give Him the Heisman. We still give Him the pushback. We still back away from God's goodness and grace and glory. And the Scripture says, you know, but to those. But, but to those. But to those. But all who did receive Him who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. You see, for me, this is where I've got to ask you to be careful with accepting Christ. There's a culture that's built up around this idea of, of, I accept Christ. (laughs) You're You're pretty bougie. If, if you, you can accept Christ. What do you mean you accept Christ? You're above Christ and you're going to let him in? What does that mean? No, no, no. It's not what it means. You don't, you don't just accept. What you do is you, you, you surrender. You have to understand that, that we're made by him and we're saved through him. And, and yet we push him and yet we reject him. But we need to understand this, church. It is he who does the saving. It is we who do the surrendering. It is He who does the saving. It's we who do the surrendering. My job is to come to God with everything that it took me to need to be saved. i got to bring that baggage to Him and i got to surrender it. That's my job in salvation. And at that point, it's, Lord, I believe in Your name. I believe in Your will. I believe in Your way. I surrender who I am. To you. And it's in that surrendering, it's in that giving up, it's in that letting go, it is in that act that He gives me the right to be called a son of God. I don't walk into God's presence with demanding rights. No, I gain that right by my submission to Him. Who was born that day wasn't just this innocent baby. It was born that day wasn't just a a random child. What was born that day was was my right to be called a son of God. Because he gave that to me. By me believing that that's who he is. By me trusting that that's who he is. By me surrendering my will and my way to his. And it's him who gives me that right. It's he who does the saving. It's we who do the surrendering. And in light of all of that, in verse 4, it says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. His name was a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through Him. He was not the light, John, but He came to bear witness about the light, Jesus. The true light. Everybody say true light. The true light. which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. When you see the words, the true light, then that means there is a what? False light. Many of us, we're walking around 
underneath some false light. The word who became flesh is our life and our light. Are we living as though light has come? The true light? Many of us, we're living under and we're being guided by a lot of false lights. Well, I'm, 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 I'm seeking after money. And wherever the money shines, wherever the most can come. I'm seeking after power, wherever the most power can be found. I'm seeking after fame, wherever the most people know me. I'm seeking after success. I'm seeking after political influence. I'm seeking after relationships. I want that man, I want that woman to love me. I'm seeking after a lot of false lights. I'm being led. I'm I'm looking at the world as though it's illuminated by this object. This object of success. This object of, of money or power or fame. This object is guiding all of my thoughts. This object is exposing the world in such a way. Do you know, and I've I've shared this with you before, and I think many of you are astute enough to know this, but do you realize you don't ever see any objects? The way your eyes made, you don't see objects. You see the light that is bouncing off of those objects. That's what you're processing. And as crazy as that might seem, but it really is the light with which you see things that helps you to understand the content that they're made of. And so if you're looking at everything with a false light, you're not going to see the true story. But it's when Jesus is the light of your life. It's when Jesus shines over that person who is being grumpy. And it's Jesus who reveals to you, hey, don't be so harsh on them. They're having a rough day. They just, they just went through a cancer scare. They just lost a family member. And they're being grumpy today. But, but Jesus says, look, that's not who they are. You look at the crowds as Jesus did with compassion. But if everything is the light, the false light of the ways of this world, you're going to see this world a certain way. And so part of what we need to do is we need to look and say, wow, the light of God was born in Christ. And he's the true light. And I need the true light of Jesus to shine on everyone and everything around me so that I can actually see things for what they really are. This is why Paul said, we battle not against flesh and blood. He's talking to believers. He's like, hey guys, we don't battle just against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual thing. And you've got to be able to see with spiritual eyes. You've got to have the light of Christ on it all or you're not going to understand it. You're going to act out and misbehave and treat people wrongly. So we need to be led by the true light, the light that is Jesus. And it's that light that provides life. It's that light that allows you to live this life the right way, the pure way, the way before God that he's designed. He's the light. So as we close, think about this. Jesus is glory, grace, and truth. Jesus is the revealed will, the way, and worthiness to save. Jesus does the saving. We do the surrendering. If Jesus is not your life, and if Jesus is not your light, then what or who is? Christmas Day without context, is often simply celebrated as baby Jesus was born. And later, Jesus would go on to save us. But there's a prologue. 
there's a prologue to that baby being born. The light of the world. The forgiveness of man. The creator of all things. The one who offers hope and forgiveness and healing and peace. All of that is wrapped up into this baby. And so when we celebrate, when we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating something so much bigger. It's not the baby was born and then later there'll be the real thing, the resurrection. It's the baby is born compact with hope and opportunity and the light, the true light of the world and forgiveness and healing and power and grace mercy and love, all of it is wrapped up into Christ, Jesus, who is born. Now it's in light of all of that that you can go and read the Christmas stories and you can see, ah, that's why they were celebrating like crazy. That's why there were choirs of angels coming down to pronounce His birth. That's why the, the stars literally aligned to declare the birth of a coming king. That's why. There was a prelude. Jesus was there from the beginning. Jesus was stepping into His painting. But who had come and what had come at Christmas is worth celebrating. And the meaning behind the fact that God would come. Many of us, you still have people that you won't speak to because they hurt you 15 years ago. <laughs> we, we, we still have people in our lives that we won't really deal with because we're just frustrated with. But, but the story of the Gospel is that God, seeing His creation in havoc and a wreck, stepped in anyway. And He dwelt among us. Maybe you and I can take a cue from the prologue of Christmas. And maybe you and I can say, you know what, Lord? I want to live in the true light. I want to live life to the full. I want to live as you do. I want to forgive like you do. I want to love like you do. And I want to be grateful for the fact that you don't look at my mess and dismiss me or condemn me. So help me to look at other people and not so quickly dismiss or condemn them. Help me to really live like Jesus. The prologue to Christmas. Let's pray. <laughs>